The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a crown vic. Welcome to another edition of this very poorly made police memes podcast. I'm your host, Larry, or whatever fucking name I come up with, which I got to be honest, I've been really lazy about coming up with different names. I'm kind of a lazy dude. I'll work on that. Hope you guys are all well, doing good in uh, the pre-nuclear fallout, since we're heading towards a nuclear holocaust, but what do I know? Sorry, I'm uh, I'm just really full of good energy today. I'm not in a bad fucking mood at all. But anyway, I think uh, that translated, my anger translated pretty well to the podcast. I uh, talked to a guy that's kind of familiar to the page. His name is Daryl. He's a cop out in California, and he is the owner, CEO, maestro behind Dragons, which it's a product that's uh, really good for under your uniform. So check it out. I, uh, I own it. It's good stuff. So we'll talk to him about his policing career you know, he's seen a lot of change over the last 17 years of being a cop. So we, we kind of dive into some of the changes and things we've seen. And there's some pretty interesting conversation in there. So I think you guys will enjoy it. Just a couple quick things before we get into the podcast. I uh, will probably start drinking again. St. Patrick's Day episode. Look for that. I'm very excited for that. I have a special guest lined up. Hopefully everything works out for that. And I will get fucking hammered for y'all. Since apparently that's what you guys like is uh, me getting hammered and telling stupid dick jokes on a podcast. So I'm I'm here for it. Uh, other than that, we got some good podcasts coming up. I uh, think you guys are going to enjoy where we're going. Lots of different places. And uh, I finally got the police husband lined up. So that'll come early April. So lots of good stuff lined up for y'all. With that said, uh, let's see. What do we got? The uh, poorly made weight loss challenge. I finally broke 20 pounds down, which is good. Uh, 20.6 officially down a couple pounds from the last weigh-in. I'm excited about it, but I, I got to admit, I kind of cheated a little bit. My uh, my bathroom was a little uneven, and I thought, you know, I think the weight's a little off because the floor's not, not even. So I actually took a level into the bathroom this morning, and I found a tile that was more level than the one I normally weigh myself on. And I weighed a pound less on the level tile. So I, I'm going to say that counts. I don't give a shit. So I'm going with it. So fuck y'all if you think that's cheating. Anyway, let's uh, let's get to the band, which is uh, Apollo's Army. And this is their song, I'm Taking Mine. We'll be right back with the meat of the podcast. 
All right, and now the moment you've all been waiting for, and yes, I'm still working on that catchphrase. I've got the man, the myth, the legend. I've got Daryl, a 17-year cop from California, still active, and the, can I call you the owner, the CEO, the man, the myth, the legend behind Dragon Skin? Yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's him. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. I'm glad that uh, I finally get to be part of this uh, show a little more than, uh, than, than I have been. <clears throat> just the advertising, I mean. Yeah, just giving me money. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, it's exposure, you know. It is, uh, yeah. It. Uh, we were talking a little bit off air before we started, and it's kind of an interesting story. So uh, Daryl hit me up about, I don't know, like August of 2022 or 2020 probably-ish, ballpark. Mm-hmm. And uh, was like, hey, I've got this company, and this is what I do, and I want to advertise. And I was uh, a little hesitant because – I hadn't really done that in poorly made and I wasn't, I was still on job. So I didn't know if uh, secondary employment would count. And I know some of you guys are like, what the fuck is that? But some departments, you can't have a second job unless you have permission. And I read the policy and I read the policy and I said, you know what? I don't think I'm violating it by working for myself. So I said, fuck it. And I went it with it. And uh, Daryl sent me a shirt and it was awesome. So I have a, a lot of gratitude for Daryl kind of pushing me off the ledge there to start advertising and kind of open this hole up to a business. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of, a, a, I guess, I guess you can say I was born an entrepreneur. I always wanted to, uh, run my own business and, you know, did so even as a kid mowing lawns at 10 years old, you know? Um, so yeah, making money is uh, what it's all about. Right. Dude, do kids even fucking mow lawns anymore? <laughs> yeah, it just goes to show how old I am. You know, I did, uh, I think it was like $5 a lawn back in the uh, early 80s. <laughs> oh, five bucks, man. I was doing 10 in the 90s, man. You Inflation, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. My kids want money all the time. And I'm like, we'll do some chores. Nah, I don't know. Can you just give me a couple bucks? No, I can't. <laughs> uh, they won't go out and shovel you know, and they're like, well, I don't, you know, I'm like the old people. Well, the old people have a snowblower, but which is God, that's fucking cheating. I know you know, live in California. You don't know anything about that, right? Because it's <laughs> where you live. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Central Valley, it's uh, very, very hot, very humid during the summer. So, uh, yeah, we don't get much snow here except uh, in the, uh, here in Nevada's got to do a little traveling. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, hustled uh, since I was a kid and now I'm still hustling. Hopefully, uh, I'll get my retirement out of this and uh, get to relax a little bit. Nice. Well, before we get into all the uh, ins and outs of that, let's talk a little bit about you. So you've been a cop for 17 years, and you said you hustled, but you fucking ended up in public service because you were an EMT before you were a cop, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how I kind of got off the, uh, the beat path here, but... Uh, my goal was to be a, uh, firefighter paramedic. Uh, you probably remember the old, uh, Johnny Roy, uh, the, uh, television show emergency. That was kind of a, uh, a huge, uh, show for me when I was growing up. So, um, I actually did my internship with, uh, LA city fire. So, uh, that was my intention. My goal was to uh, go the fire route and somewhere, somehow I kind of, uh, went off the beaten path and uh, became a cop. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, man. We can't all pass the fire test. So it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, when I saw these guys on top of these uh, 
uh, you know, eight story ladders. I was like, uh, that's, uh, I think I'm going to go uh, do something else uh, a little, little safer. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'll become a cop. Totally safe. The whole ladder thing, man. I, I mean, I guess they have like pretty good ladders, but I'm not, I have to get up on my roof occasionally and do shit. And uh, cause home ownership sucks. Fuck getting up on a ladder to get up on your roof. is just never a good time. Never feels right. So I'd imagine doing that for a living would probably be, not be a great time. I'm not a big heights guy. No, me, me neither. Uh, when it comes to scaling buildings or going up in a helicopter, uh, yeah, I'll leave that to the uh, real heroes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing, though, is we all know that the rain could actually do their job. So, you know, being a cop is actually doing God's work. So don't worry about it. So you were the, like an EMT back in the 90s then, right? Yeah, I went to uh, EMT school in, I was 91, uh, went to paramedic school in 95, and then uh, became a paramedic and uh, worked that for about 10 years. So I'm an idiot. What's the difference between a paramedic and an EMT? Because I always get it confused. Yeah, um, I don't know why they did this, but um, they created uh, at least three levels, uh, the EMT basic the EMT intermediate where you can do, uh, you know, almost like paramedic stuff, drugs and so forth. Then obviously there's the uh, EMT paramedic. So everybody's an EMT, uh, just a different level, uh, depending on your schooling, education and uh, so forth. So, uh, but yeah, as a, as a paramedic, you're basically be, uh, you know, you're, you're practically a doctor out in the field doing 12 kgs, doing uh, IVs, uh, pushing drugs into people you don't know. So it was a it was a fun job for a while. Now I imagine back then it probably paid dog shit because it pays dog shit now. Is that a fair assessment? Um, yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, the, the the running joke is you can work for In and Out and make more money. <laughs> I mean, the benefit of In and Out is the burgers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't think anybody gets into public safety for for the money, you know, um, you know, I know we're kind of straying off of, uh, the, uh, the topic here, but, Oh, that's uh, the, that is the topic is to stray <laughs> off the topic. So don't worry about it. Go yeah. on young man. Yeah. So I, I think we all, you know, even yourself probably got into it, you know, obviously to, uh, to benefit, uh, you know, your community to, uh, to basically, um, you know, do a job, like you said, to, to, to do God's work. And you're very selfless in the way, uh, you know, we do our job. You know, we definitely sacrifice our time and, you know, uh, hopefully not our lives, but we do sacrifice quite a bit doing it. Yeah, I guess I can't speak for everywhere, but I've definitely run across some guys because I work in a bigger department that paid decently. I mean, did not pay bad money at all. And I feel like it would attract some people that maybe otherwise would not get into law enforcement, but because of the money, which I'm not necessarily blaming them because I, I feel like law enforcement is one of those gigs where we really should be paying people a lot more money than they actually get. But that's a, that's a whole nother debate for another day. But I would occasionally run across dudes and they're like, Oh yeah, I just came here because the pay is good. Yeah, I didn't really think about being a cop, but, you know, the pay was good, so I figured, what the heck. That just baffles my mind, and I, uh, I'm i going to throw an open invitation. If there's anybody that listens to the podcast that was uh, 
went to a big city just for the money and really never planned on being a cop. I think you'd be an interesting guest to pick your brain a little bit. Um, yeah, I just, I don't get it, man. And I will say I can think of one guy in particular where I heard that. And then within a couple of years, they kind of really turned around and became a more well-rounded cop. And it wasn't just about the money kind of thing, which was cool to see, but that, that can be a scary incentive for, high paying department all you're getting is somebody that's not in it for the right reasons just for the money yeah i, I agree i mean we're we're seeing a, a different generation of of cop uh you know we're seeing a lot of guys younger guys that are doing other things like uh for example real estate i don't know what the attraction of law enforcement or real estate is but you know we we see a lot of young young guys that are that are you know doing a side gig as as a realtor so that seems to be real popular right now you know, it was interesting. I had the Canadian cop on not too long ago, and he made the point of, you know, they get paid well. Like, it's kind of unheard of up there for dudes to have a side gig where, I mean, even in the decently paying agencies, everybody works off duty or some they have some kind of side gig where they're, you know, I think he gave the example of, you know, somebody working at Bass Pro Shop and they're a full-time deputy down in Florida. That's fucking wild. And that, I mean, that's a a bigger debate about inflation and other things too, but let's be real here. You get what you pay for. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm complaining about how much money people, you know, pe I'm complaining about people, you know, doing it just for the money, but on the same hand, you gotta fucking pay people too. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. We just got a, uh, a huge raise and um, I know that, uh, you know, the city would rather put that money elsewhere, you know, to, other social issues like mental health and, and the homelessness, you know, and, you know, we can, we can kind of uh, <clears throat> continue working and, uh, you know, deal with the, you know, whatever they pay us and, and kind of deal with it. So that's been kind of the thing that's been going on for a while. It's just, uh, yeah, we've never really been compensated properly. Now, my understanding is cops out in California actually get paid. Okay. Is that, a fair assessment. Yeah, if you if you look at it from you know the three levels, you got the state, you know, you got the California Highway Patrol who makes the most, and then you have uh, depending on the cities. Obviously, smaller cities make less, but uh, in some instances, uh, if you work for the county, you could actually make more or less depending on where you live. So, uh, but yeah, usually the uh, the state is uh, usually the uh, the top hug, but real estate in California is like out of fucking control. So, you know, you may make 120 grand a year, but you have to buy a million dollar house. Yeah. It depends on the area. I know the real estate's really gone up uh, here in California. You know, I look at, uh, you know, my, my childhood home that uh, was built in the fifties, uh, you know, that went for, you know, maybe uh, under a hundred thousand when I was a kid. And now you're looking at 1.2 million for the same oh, house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Three bedroom uh, house built in the fifties, uh, nothing special about it. It's got a pool in the back and uh, yeah. Uh, housing in the LA area, in the San Francisco Bay area. Uh, those are usually the, the, uh, the two most expensive areas to live. I don't understand. I mean, I guess places have to pay well, but like I look at LA as a whole LA and I wonder who lives there. I mean, who can actually afford a fucking house to live there? I mean, I, I guess you got Hollywood, some good paying jobs there, but there's millions of people there. 
how do they live there? It's wild. Yeah, I've I've asked that myself. You know, you look at the uh, you know Silicon Valley. Uh, you know, you, you look at an area that uh, was basically nothing until the computer industry basically ramped up and, and made it one of the most expensive areas to to, to live. And a lot of folks, uh, you know, they get their homes handed down from their their parents or grandparents, and so that's I I think that's how they're doing it. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're talking about a, a couple of million, you know, just for a, a basic house in, in, in those areas. And it's just insane. Yeah, I, I can't, I cannot wrap my head around that, but that's, I guess it is what it is. Uh, out of curiosity, how much is gas out there right now? Um, I went by a gas station today and it was looking like five sixty five dollars and 60 cents. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> never seen ever. And that's, that's just, that is wild. Yeah, I know there's been a few times where I've been like, you know, outside of Disneyland and the gas is like pretty high compared to everything else. But, you know, then once you get outside of that area, you know, it goes down a buck or two. But, geez, I, uh, I don't even want to imagine how high it's going to go because out here it just got over three bucks, which is, I mean, it's been hovering around three for a while. Now it's over. It's like three fifty now. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, Californians, they, they pay the most, most taxes. They pay the highest gas prices it's just uh i mean there's a reason why so many californians are are leaving leaving the state you know it's it's there's 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 gonna be nobody left here uh by the time uh you know once if these if this keeps going the way it's going then yeah yeah it's gonna be empty you know it's really easy to shit on california but california really is a beautiful state you have everything there you have mountains you have desert a huge coastline. There's everything there. I can see why people went there, but fuck, it's probably not worth it anymore. Well, you know, we're, we're, uh, where I live, we're, you know, literally 40 minutes away from the, uh, Yosemite, uh, park. And that's one of the big attractions. I mean, you got people coming, you know, from as far as, uh, you know, China, Australia, you know, we, we get visitors from all over the world that actually come to central California, just, uh, just to see the, uh, you know, just to see the mountains. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great state. It's beautiful, but unfortunately it's got its, its drawbacks. All right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Triple I Solutions is owned and operated by Sean Pardesi, AKA the Savvy Sheep. They provide specialized training in detecting smuggling, tradecraft, and clandestine countermeasures used by smugglers while driving loads across highways. Sean is a 27-year veteran in the field and specializes in delivering unique and in-depth courses to help enhance an officer's overall success by delivering personal experience. He's had extensive training and experience in the field of terrorism and interdiction training, UMIT, and in-depth behavioral analysis. He's the author of Smugglers, Inc. and the co-author of Evading Honesty, which are available at bookstores and Amazon. These courses and these books aren't available anywhere except through Triple I Solutions. So go check them out. I'll have the link in the podcast description. I guess we'll jump back into the topic now. So you did the uh, NT stuff for about 10 years. What what was the catalyst to get you into law enforcement? Um, I actually uh, wanted to continue my uh, uh, paramedic career. Uh, if it wasn't going to be in the fire, uh, fire department, uh, I don't know how it is with, with other states, but uh, I mentioned the California Highway Patrol earlier, and uh, they actually have uh, paramedics on, on their helicopter, which has got to be the, the coolest gig uh, in the world, you know, to be a cop. 
uh, carry gun and plus you're, you know, a paramedic able to uh, push drugs into people that you don't know. So, um, so that was actually the goal initially. And I think that's where I kind of strayed off where I went to the police academy and then uh, miraculously got hired right out of the academy uh, because obviously they were hurting for cops back then like they are now, uh, actually more now than, than ever. But the, uh, the whole goal was to eventually uh, continue being a medic in a law enforcement uh, environment. So uh, again, I kind of changed gears and ended up in the career I am now. So, but I don't, I don't regret it. Do you still do any medic stuff on the side or is that, is that gone and done with? Yeah, that's something that uh, a few of us, uh, former medics kicked around, see uh, how it would benefit. I I think the, uh, our SWAT team has EMS, EMT paramedics that will uh, roll with them on certain calls or they used to, Uh, I don't know if they do that anymore, but everything is, is basic life support. So we have uh, what's called a red box. We pull that out on scene anytime we're doing CPR, anytime we're holding pressure on a bleeding wound or delivering a baby, et cetera. Uh, we've got all these, uh, uh, all these, uh, um, life-saving tools available for us, but it's all basic life support. You know, when I became a cop, I felt like you'd always see things in the news about the cop delivering the baby on the side of the highway and all kinds of crazy shit. And I was like, that sounds fucking awful. And thankfully I made it my whole career without delivering a baby. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. I've uh, delivered three um, all as a, as a, as a medic, but uh, none as a, as a, as an officer. Do the babies get like free dragon skin for life or <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing recent, but, uh, but sure. That could be a, that could, that's that could a great be... promotional tool right there, man. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been a cop for 17 years, which I think I've said like 800 times, but what kind of uh, different assignments have you held in those 17 years? Um, well, I've, I've been on patrol for, for most of it. I think that's kind of where the, the meat and potatoes of cop work is. I uh, definitely enjoy the the uh, adrenaline rush. Uh, I guess I've never been the type to uh, sit behind a desk too much, but uh, yeah, I um, started off in patrol. I became a uh, FTO and did that for a little while. Uh, I uh, did some part-time gigs in uh, investigations where I would uh, assist, uh, detectives, uh, a few times a week. And, uh, that was a good way to get my, my, my feet wet, see if I actually enjoy doing something like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, most of the, uh, the years that I've spent in law enforcement has, as most of patrol. And, uh, as I say, and probably in your department too, it's the, uh, the backbone patrols <laughs> the backbone of the department. Oh God, it's a clip. I should make some kind of like sarcastic asshole t-shirt about patrol being the backbone because fuck, they say that and then they fucking run it over with a bus just to see how strong it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my wheels are spinning now. I've got to think of a, a fucking t-shirt say, now. You know, I, see, I see a meme. 
I see a meme uh, uh, being created as we speak. Oh yeah, the the meme. There's smoke coming out of my ears, and the memes being <laughs> created. There will be probably a a spine meme for the uh, the meme for this podcast. You said something interesting that I I wish more departments would do, and I know they don't always have the ability, but I wish that, and and probably now it's not even a thing they can do with manpower shortages, but it would be nice to rotate people through assignments that wanted it, or maybe not even that they wanted it just because I think sometimes you don't even realize that you need a a breather from patrol. You know, if if bigger departments designated like, all right, we have, you know, four spots and whatever unit or a couple units and, you know, we'll rotate people through that want to come through and learn about being a detective. Uh, Yeah, we just, uh, no, uh, we just got a new chief and uh, the way he did things at his old department, he's trying to implement here. And yeah, that's one of the things they're, they're trying to do is, is rotate people through. So like you said, you know, the, the big, the big problem in, in law enforcement, you know, we're seeing this with a lot of young guys is, is burnout. You know, obviously uh, you love what you do, but too much of a good thing can obviously uh, wear you down. Except for cocaine and meth. <laughs> you, that doesn't, uh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, I saw that in another meme that you did, but, um, but yeah, your, your, your memes have definitely been inspiring. And uh, I started doing that myself on my own uh, social media to, you know, obviously as a, a way to vent and also a way to, uh, you know, maybe uh, my customers that are in law enforcement or in public safety, they can relate. You know, I think, um, I think memes and who knows if we'll be talking about memes in 20 years from now, we probably will. They'll probably evolve, but memes have a certain way of speaking to people. And for businesses, I feel like the businesses that have a good meme game or good social media tend to do better. And that's not always true, but you know, like I feel like Taco Bell has a really like asshole um, or one of them, maybe Wendy's has the, uh, the funny Twitter account, right? Like it's, I'm, I'm sure I've saw that. I'm like, oh, that's a funny fucking tweet. I'm going to go get a burger now. Thanks, Wendy's. You know, I think <laughs> a lot of these companies are fall off without good social media. And I think the ones that make it have good social media. So I don't, I don't know. I think there's definitely something that you, this is really off topic, but the, uh, my meth comment sparked a story. Do you have time for a story? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you do. So uh, we've all known that I've been sick for like the last couple podcasts. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm better now, but I still feel like somebody punched me in the face, like really congested. And I thought I had COVID because yesterday I broke the cookie, non-cookie streak again, but I had a cookie and I didn't taste it. And I'm like, motherfuck. I got, I finally got the vid, man. It finally got me. No, no vid. Well, so I, I really, you know, I've been seeking out medicine to, to feel better and, I ran out of DayQuil and I'm like, ah, my wife's like, why don't you get Sudafed? So this was on Saturday. It's been a long time since I bought Sudafed or ever. I don't know if I've ever bought Sudafed. And so I go to the little pharmacy in town. And if anybody lives in a, in a small town, the fucking pharmacy on a Saturday is always closed. So I go there and they're fucking closed. Fuck. So I go to the grocery store and their pharmacy's closed. I'm looking on the shelves. There's no Sudafed. Shit. Okay. So Monday, go back in town, go to the pharmacy. I'm looking around. I don't see Sudafed. And I go, hey, 
to the, you know, the old ladies behind the counter there. Hey, can I get some Sudafed? They're like, well, do you have a prescription? I said for Sudafed. They're like, yeah, you have to have a prescription. But if you go to the grocery store, that they have some special powers and they can sell me Sudafed. Okay. I go to the, the pharmacy at the grocery store. It's just open. It's a Monday. Everybody's in line. You know, you got the old ladies hacking and I'm just trying to paint a picture right here. You have like little lady with a walker. You got the, the, you know, the Vietnam veteran with his hat on. And here I am in line trying to buy Sudafed. I felt really awkward about it, but I'd been in line long enough where I was like, I have to stay. Like, I can't just leave because I feel like that looks weird. Not that anybody would ever remember that moment in time, but I would. So I finally get up there and young guy and I say, hey, buddy, can I get some Sudafed? And he just stares at me for about 10 seconds. He's like, uh, okay. I said, well, what, what I got to do to get, you know, is it over there? Are you guys just out? And he's like, no, it's behind the counter, but I need to see your ID. And he's like sizing me up. And being a cop, I know when somebody's sizing me up, right? Sizing, being sized up isn't necessarily a you know, physical action because they want to beat your ass. They want to see if they're smarter than you too. So this guy is sizing me up, I presume, to see if I'm a tweaker. Which, to be honest, since I quit, I don't really take care of myself. But I'm too fat to be a tweaker. So fuck off, dude. So he gets my ID. He scans it. You know, he fills out. He starts, like, doing shit and asking questions. And he prints out this piece of paper. And I'm, I'm like, what is this? And he's like, well, because um, it's technically a controlled substance, you have to sign to say that you understand. And, you, you know, you can't come back and buy it within a certain time period. Okay. So I go through all this. And everybody's in line still waiting. Guy rings me up $3.99 for fucking Sudafed. All that for some fucking Sudafed. Because, you know, I'm standing there like, what the fuck? You know, it's like awkward, right? And like you start saying shit that's weird to make it more suspicious, like on accident. Like, oh, it's been a while since I bought Sudafed. <laughs> you know, and the guy's like, oh, okay, that's not funny. Um you know, start asking questions about it. And I feel like it just seemed more suspicious. So I was kind of thinking the uh, the sheriff would be at my door when I got back. But so now, you know, it's a huge pain in the ass to get Sudafed and it didn't fucking do anything. So here we are. No, it's, um, you know, you, you go to my local stores and they've got, you know, razor blades and uh, baby formula and in, in law cabinets, you know, I <laughs> So, yeah, um, you know, well, I don't know how you're that's good selling right there, man. That's that's some high dollar shit to sell. Well, I mean, I don't know how it is in your state, but, you know, petty theft is basically no longer a crime. So, uh, you know, stores have to do what they got to do to protect their own property. So, uh, but yeah, shoplifting is, you know, you can you can cite the same guy out for shoplifting and he'll have. 16 warrants for the same shoplift uh offense you know it's just you know hey you gotta love california that would drive me absolutely insane because what is it it's to get to a felony it's like a thousand bucks right yeah it's like 950 and i guess san francisco it got so bad where they were doing these uh huge uh smash and grabs uh at these high dollar stores to where um you know the powers that be were like contemplating hmm i wonder if we should lower it down to uh 450 where you know when the law was written um you know that way maybe somebody will get prosecuted but yeah it's it's just insane um you know he's just stealing for his he's just stealing for his family he needs all of those razor blades all of them (laughs) 
um but yeah it's 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 just it's just nuts you know just um you know we we we're in a liberal uh environment here in california where you know criminals are now considered victims <laughs> you know so that that that's really when i thought well maybe it's time to get out of this business because uh because apparently you know when i arrest a criminal i'm victimizing them <laughs> yeah i don't you know, it's like this conversation we always have, and I think we'll forever have, but, you know, we went from a society that was, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, you could, you could probably answer this better than, than I could, because you, you got a couple of years on me, but I feel like maybe there was a point in time where maybe like it was a little too hard on the criminals. Would you agree or disagree with that? Well, I mean, I, I totally see where they're coming from, where we were basically, uh, you know, uh, treating criminals, uh, in, in a way where they felt they had no, uh, you know, they had no other way, you know, it's, it's, it was, you know, they were, they were basically stigmatized, uh, whether they were on parole probation, uh, you know, because on applications that, uh, required you to answer whether you've, you know, ever been arrested or been to prison, uh, you know, those kind of things. So, uh, you know, I, I, I see, but, but the liberals are just taking it to the extreme where now they're saying that, you know, we can't, uh, you know, we're going to get, what are the word, uh, parolee. <laughs> oh yeah. I saw that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like scratching my head, you know, it's. Well, so. that's what we do. That's what we do as a society is these like way big, like fucking knee jerk things. Uh, uh, well, California had the three strikes thing, right? Is that still a thing or did that go away? Um, I, I don't think that's uh, a, a thing anymore. No, no. Apparently now you can basically commit murder and then still get bail. <laughs> so amazing how that works. Uh, I don't know if this was in California. This might be a good conversation to bring up. Um, are you familiar with that? Uh, he's a uh, UFC guy that got charged with attempted murder for trying to kill his, I guess some guy had maybe molested his nephew, but then he accidentally shot the suspect's father-in-law or something. Are you familiar with that case? No, no, I that doesn't sound familiar. All right. And I will probably a bring it up more on a different podcast because it's kind of interesting to me, but that's kind of the gist of it. But so basically what I read in the paper is this guy, I think his name's Kane Velasquez or I could be wrong. Don't fucking at me later, but that's who I think. I think that's what guy's name is. We're going to go with Kane. I know it's, his first name's Kane. So Kane has a sibling or a niece or nephew that goes to this daycare and not an employee of the daycare, but the son of the owner of the daycare, I guess had, done something to the kid and it wasn't really clear what it was but some type of inappropriate contact to that kid several times and he's like little like a little little kid like four or five and they thought there might be more victims so the cops arrest this dude and then he gets out on bail so this cane dude is pretty pissed off which i could understand why this dude should not be. to me like somebody touches a little kid fuck themselves. They can stay in jail until court. That's, I mean, I don't know everything about the case, but it seems pretty simple to me. They, they go to jail. We don't want that person out. Well, so he's fucking enraged about it. Sees the dude driving down the street. Um, somebody in his family rams the car. 
And then, you know, he's a UFC guy. He probably should have just beat the fuck out of the guy. But he, <laughs> instead, he shoots at the guy, misses him, and hits, like, you know, his somebody in the suspect's family. And now he's in jail without Bond. Well. Where the pedophile is not. So that's just one of those weird things in our society, like bail reform, bail reform. Yeah, no, let's let a fucking pedophile out. I mean, and I get innocent until proven guilty, right? The whole point of the bail system is to keep, uh, ensure people are going to go to court, right? But there has to be the line in the sand, right? I would say murderers, attempted murderers, and pedophiles, I'm good with them sitting in jail. That even to wait on a court appearance, that could be me. Well, like you said, you know, uh, we don't know all the facts, and obviously I can't uh, express my, my real opinions, um, obviously. But, uh, yeah, you know, thanks to uh, bail reform, now we've got, uh, you know, some of the highest uh, crime levels in, in, in some cities that, that, that they've never uh, ever seen, you know. Uh, homicide, uh, you name it, it's, it's way up, so... But they're helping. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm throwing this out there and I, I am assuming that one of the millions of people that listen to the podcast is going to be a policymaker in the near future. Probably not. But if you are, think about this. Is this a knee jerk reaction? Could we maybe think about this a little bit and maybe ask the other side or formulate some opinions or not just go completely 180 from what we're doing. It doesn't work. It never works. Like think about that when you're parenting your kid, right? Like you do that whole 180, like the kid's confused. It doesn't work. Like you have to kind of build up to those things. You can't, what, what is it? You can't have the, uh, the carriage without the horse or God, I'm getting really bad at those like Bushanisms, <laughs> but I always fuck them up, but you guys are know what I'm saying. But anyway, enough about that. 17 years mostly on patrol. Can I ask if it's like a bigger city, little city? Um, well, we're the uh, fifth we're the fifth largest city in California, so that should give all the listeners a uh, a, a clue, uh, especially those who are better from California. <laughs> you can kind of look that up, Google it and uh, figure out what city that is. but um, yeah, we've, we've got a, a, a big enough population where uh, I'm you know, Google it right now. <laughs> a lot of a lot of crazy things happen. So, go sharks. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a guy on the sharks I used to fucking hate. I hated the shark. I don't know. Are you a hockey guy? Um, I like hockey. Uh, I just I, I don't really you know uh, like claim to any any specific team. I just I just like to watch. That's a pretty fucking big city. I would assume that's a lot bigger than you know. People just gauging the people that listen to the podcast, most guys probably don't work in a city that big. So you probably have a lot of unique experiences with uh, being on patrol out there. You've been out, you've been on long enough. You mentioned when you started that, you know, California was hurting for cops. What was going on 17 years ago? Am I like, that's not quite Rodney King era, is it? No, no. Um, I, I think the, uh, the industry just had a huge turn where a lot of people were retiring. I think when I came on, uh, there was a mass retirement, uh, retiring, uh, going on. So obviously, uh, mass hiring, I think, uh, when I got hired, I think I was one of like 30 in my uh, hiring group. So, but yeah, they were, 
are hiring just, just tons, tons, tons of people. How in the last 17 years, how has, what has been the biggest change for you? Like you imagine your first day on patrol to like now, what is the biggest change? Um, I, I would have to say the, the homeless issue as uh, exponentially, uh, I mean, it, it's exploded. I mean, uh, when I was brand new here, uh, I, I mean, in order to find a homeless person, you'd actually have to, you know, actually look for one. And now it's, you literally, you know, you can't walk out of uh, your home or your, or your, or your district station without uh, there being a, a homeless uh, encampment or a homeless issue uh, basically right in front of you. You know, I, uh, I've been thinking about that a lot the last couple of days and weeks and months. And I actually watched a documentary called Denver is dying, which I think it was kind of a ripoff of the San Francisco one. And um, I got to thinking about this a little bit. Here's what I think. I remember, you know, lots of memes and stuff online where uh, there were basically, you know, the war on drugs is a failure and blah, 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 blah. So we basically within the last, you know, five, 10 years, the, the quote unquote, the war on drugs, which is kind of more of a fed thing anyway, is, is done, right? They don't do that anymore. And what has happened in the last five, 10 years, more drugs. I look to me, homeless folks out there. It's not, yeah, are there people that are, you know, down on the left, can't get a job? Yeah, there's a few of those out there. Um, it's mental health and it's um, people with serious drug addictions. And the the potency of the drugs now is causing people to have mental health concerns. So, you know, you stop enforcing these drug type things and going after these big fucking dudes that are selling dope to the extent you were. And now there's more people on drugs. And they're homeless because they can't, they're on fucking drugs. They can't. And that's that whole argument of, uh, oh, you know, drugs aren't a big deal, blah, blah, blah. You're letting people kill themselves. I, I mean, I, I, there's no other like way to put it. I don't, I, that's my whole argument with that. I, I, there's not a person that I can think of on the planet that can use meth and be a fucking functioning member of society. I could be off. You know, it's not like weed where there's like, oh, you know, they can, you know, Toke up and then uh, go to sleep and then wake up in the morning and go to work and it's not a problem. Meth's not quite like that. And that's, I don't know, that's kind of my whole rant. I don't know if you agree, disagree, or have other thoughts on that. No, you're you're definitely right as far as, you know, our, our drug uh, drug enforcement has, has definitely changed to where, you know, when you're when you're brand new on on midnights, you you know, look for the the tweaker with the bin love of of meth or whatever in his pocket because that was an easy felony arrest for the night uh but now it's like well you know drugs are for the most part not really that uh illegal anymore and uh yeah you're you're right uh the uh mental health issue that we're seeing is uh tremendous as far as you know is it is it is it the meth or is it mental illness? You know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? So we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, people's uh, brains getting rewired to where now uh, they appear schizophrenic, where maybe it was just lots and lots of lots of meth. 
so but yeah we're uh you know i, I don't i don't know how we're gonna survive as a as a species if, if this keeps going i i don't know i hate to and i you see inklings of this in different media reports and i've heard it in some other places but i think over the next like 18 months or so a lot of people are going to die on the streets a lot of people are going to die on the streets and it's because of that because you that's not a sustainable way to live and it's going to kill them and the, then we're all going to have to kind of scratch our heads like how did this happen i i'm t- i'm a fortune teller i'm telling you how this happened is people had easier access to drugs and they died because they abused drugs and i'm not a fucking scientist or a fucking doctor but you got to think somebody with a minor mental health issue now you're throwing meth into it it's going to make it worse or a normal brain like it's not sustainable and you know we're failing these people and i don't want to fucking be a preacher god this podcast was a lot funnier when i drank but (laughs) i don't want to be a preacher here but as a society you have to make a decision right you know you can kind of take that libertarian thing like well each his own kind of thing or do you Say, well, you know, I want to help my fellow man. You know, I'm kind of a believer of, look, you can, you can lead a horse to water, right? You can do that. I mean, you can't, you can't make somebody get better, but we're not even trying anymore. We're not even trying. And we're failing these people. You know, it's not about getting people housing. Look, I've seen what happens when people get housing that aren't well. They destroy the housing because they're not well. It doesn't matter if they're in a house or on the street. They're not well. Giving them a house isn't going to change anything. You need to get them off fucking dope. Sorry. <laughs> I went off a little tangent there, but that's or that's what I believe. Yeah, and then now you have this new thing with uh with fentanyl, which you know, initially I was I was like trying to wrap my head around it. You know, why would why would you intentionally overdose on something so potent? And then later finding out that, well, these are people that are, you know, they're, they're getting, they're getting pills that resemble Oxycontin or another prescription prescription drug and not knowing or realizing that, uh, you know, the, uh, the pills are, are fentanyl, uh, which is, you know, these, uh, these dealers apparently are able to get this uh, drug in, in large amounts. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's another issue that we're seeing now is uh, a lot of fentanyl overdoses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing after another, isn't it? You know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like, you know, we could scream this from the mountaintops, but people aren't going to listen. They're just going to yell at us and say, no, they need housing. Okay. Good luck. Let's see how that goes. All right. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast after a word from our sponsors. Stone Griffin Tactical is driven to provide first responders with the tools they need to save lives. Our rescue multi-tool called the SeaTax provides first responders with an affordable, portable, and easy-to-use tool that allows them to reach people in need fast as possible. The SeaTax is forged out of a single piece of 100% made in American steel in Detroit, Michigan. And Stone Griffin Tactical is a veteran and law enforcement-owned company. Get your SeaTax today and save lives when seconds count. Um, well, all right, I'm going to ask you another question. Hopefully I don't go on a wild rant. So <laughs> I asked, um, what's the biggest change now? What has there been a change for the better since when you first started? What is something that's improved in policing over the last 17 years? 
Um, I, I think the, the way we uh, deliver our services, I think uh, there's been a lot of, you know, we talked about drugs, uh, uh, abuse, we've talked about uh, mental health. And I think that's where um, I, I, I'd probably say where the biggest change for the better has, uh, because, you know, maybe even before we got into the business, uh, when it came to, to mental health, uh, you know, uh, we were not really equipped or, or designed to deliver those services. And uh, I know, you know, like agencies like LAPD, uh, even our agency has borrowed uh, a little bit from them in the realm of, uh, you know, partnering with a mental health, uh, a, uh, a company that, that has social workers that come out and do the evaluate, evaluations for us. So I, I think that's one of the biggest improvements uh, that have occurred as far as in, in our state. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Our agency was doing that. I think it's a great thing to have a, a cop and a clinician in a car that way yeah. it uh, keeps the clinician safe. And let's be real. A lot of us, you know, they don't give us the type of training to deal with those intermediate type issues. Right. You know, if it's a safety issue, you know, cops, that's who you need to call. But if somebody's in crisis and it's not a safety issue, you send in two cops that don't have the level of training that other people do to that type of call. I don't think that's the right thing to do. So I think that is a move in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I'm sure every agency is, is looking for ways to, to cut corners, but uh, there's constantly talk of sending these clinicians to these calls by themselves. And um, yeah, that's, that's definitely not a uh, safe thing to do, but um, you know, I, I don't think in law enforcement, I don't think we're ever going to get out of the mental health business, you know, as, as much as they try to uh, separate, because obviously we're, you know, we've got the, uh, we've got the weapons, uh, the guns, obviously, for, uh, you know, for our business, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it seems somewhat threatening to obviously someone who's uh, schizophrenic and paranoid. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, a balance for sure. Right. And it's, I guess, another thing to consider. And if you're on a small department, you can't do shit about it. Right. You get the mental health call. It's, it's you, you're the only one on, but I like to talk about, you know, you have the guys that are better at certain calls. Right. I, I wasn't a big fan. of going to those calls, but I felt like I was pretty good at them because I, you know, I have experience with mental health in my family and I knew how to talk to people and deal with it and stay calm and stuff like that, where, you know, not every guy has that skill where, you know, that other guy, he'd be way better on a tactical call because I'd fucking trip on a door, you know? So I guess know your strengths, but if you know, you're one of those guys that you can't handle a mental health call very well, then, you know, maybe that's something to work on food for thought. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot, um, you know, involved in, in evaluating someone and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we we're ever uh, properly equipped or trained. Yeah. I mean, there's, I made a, a really, a long time ago, I made a meme and it didn't really hit, but the page was really small and maybe I'll repost it someday, but it was a, a wall full of a bunch of different hats. And it was some stupid caption about, you know, trying to figure out which one to wear on what call we had called to a lot of shit, a lot of different shit every single day. 
you know, it's all different or it's all the same, but it's all different, you know, different people, different personalities. Um, what, you know, one thing may work, you know, the Jedi mind trick might work on somebody and then, you know, you can't buy the, uh, the T1 hyperdrive because the guy won't fall for the, the Jedi mind trick, which is a big nerd joke if you are into those things. So you have to realize that. And it's tough. And I don't think people understand that on the outside is it, it's these the people that don't understand it on the outside are the same fucking people that have like a mental breakdown when, you know, the shake machines down at McDonald's because they can't handle the stress of that. But they expect cops to know how to react and how everybody's going to react to every single fucking thing that's ever happened. No, no, I agree. Um, we're we're sent to more and more things that we're not trained or equipped to handle. I mean, uh, you know, I always joke uh, with the guys that I work with is, you know, when something comes up that nobody wants to deal with, they call the police, send it to the cops. Yeah, that's it. Right. Um, ah, there's a sewer backed up. The water department's not on. Yeah, go ahead and call the cops. I'll figure it out. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Well, yeah, why not? Funny, that was the joke that we got to is that, you know, uh, we don't know who to call. Call the cops. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're still getting sent to, to medical aids. We're still getting sent to civil disputes. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, we're, we're definitely, uh, the wearers of a lot of hats. Yeah. I love the, uh, the civil dispute where it's very obvious, you know, like two roommates aren't getting along. So you're going to, you're going to call the cops to, to referee it out. And, you know, I would always tell people like, Hey, look, I don't mind that you, even though I did, I'd lie to them. I'd fucking lie right to their face, but Hey, I don't mind that you called, but, uh, you know, I'd rather be here before it gets violent, which is true, but these are two people they are not going to fight. But those were always the worst calls because you could never get them to like agreeable, like, all right, well, you know, he wants to watch PBS news hour. Um, you want to watch CNN. So maybe you guys alternate Tuesdays and no, that's, that's just not acceptable. All right. Well, I'm fucking leaving. Well, you can't leave, you know, and it's just, that turns into <laughs> these stupid fucking calls. Like don't call the cops because you, you don't get along with your roommate. Just don't like if you're going to beat the shit out of your roommate, well, don't go take a walk, go outside. You know, you should have learned this shit when you were a little kid, but that's we don't do that anymore. You can't tell your little kids no because it may hurt them intellectually to be fucking told no. I'm not bitter or angry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I agree. Yeah, go. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm I'm no. in a fucking mood tonight. <laughs> no, no, it's it's this is good. This is a good way to to vent. You know, like you said, uh, you created this platform for a lot of us to basically uh, be able to relate and to uh, you know obviously you're you're saying things that that you know we want to say on the job that can't until we retire so isn't that so fucked though it's it's a definitely a balance of all right so this is weird but it's kind of interesting so i am uh i'm doing research for another podcast you heard that right fucking research and i came across this article where it was a nebraska state trooper uh five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer. He got fired um, because he basically joined a KKK group. And he argued that that violated his first amendment rights. And I was like, all right. So I always joke that, you know, cops don't have first amendment rights, which is, is very true. I, I can say stuff now that I couldn't say before. Cause I'd be worried before that if I said it, the department would say, oh, he shouldn't have said such things. He shouldn't have had an opinion of his own. Humanize the badge, but except if we don't like what you say, you know, 
And um, so I'm like, that's fucked. But then you have this asshole that joins the KKK and is suing because he got fired for free speech. This fucking hate group, man. It's a fucking KKK. What are you, a Democrat? Come on. So it is kind of a delicate balance, right? I am a believer that, you know, obviously not like fucking racial or like crazy, like, you know, I believe in genocide kind of thing. I don't think you could say shit like that and still like expect to be gainfully employed, but you should be able to give your opinion on something, even if it doesn't, you know, mesh with the current woke agenda and still have a job. You can still like you can be you can have an opinion on things and still act without that bias, I believe. But apparently you can't. I don't know. It's interesting. No, it's it's true. You you do represent your respective department. And uh, yeah, uh, we had a similar situation here where we had a uh, a member who uh, on his off days uh, was part of a uh you know I, I guess you want to call it a uh, a a uber constitutionalist uh type of organization and apparently it did not align with uh you know obviously the the cop part of it and so uh yeah he was uh unceremoniously uh you know judged and and basically told that uh, uh he uh, could not be part of that group. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that we are, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it, it's, it's really kind of like the military where you know, as soon as you sign on dotted line and you uh, get sworn in, you're, you're basically the property of your department. Yeah. And to be completely fair and honest about it, if you worked at Kohl's and you know, you got on Insta- Instagram and you said some fucked up shit and they saw that you probably could get fired for it. I would assume. I mean, the likelihood of it is less, but, and that's uh, you know, I think guys are awful cautious on the meme page commenting shit because they're like, well, you know, even though I use a fake name and have my name backwards and all this crazy shit, still people know who I am and I could still get in trouble. I mean, there's been dudes that I was trying to get on my podcast that, you know, it came up like, all right, they're up on the list. And uh, you go to Facebook and it's just Facebook user, right? They can't find the person anymore. And I always wonder, I'm like, man, did they get zucked or did they say something and their department didn't like it? It's, you know, like we were talking before with all the other stuff. I just wish there was more of a fair balance. Like, hey, you know, you have your first amendment, right? But don't be part of the KKK. I think that's totally (laughs) fine. I'm good with that. I think that's a great line in the sand. Uh, You should be able to express opinions that, you know, obviously aren't anti-Semitic or racist or anything like that. But um, but then the, the perception of what's racist and what's not anymore is, I don't, I don't even know what that line is. I think that changes daily. Secondly, depending on who's upset. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, we, we definitely walk a, a, a fine line, uh, between personal and obviously work. Uh, there've been many times where I've wanted to do something and then I think to myself, well, shoot, uh, I forget. I'm a cop. <laughs> Whether I'm on duty or off duty, uh, it's some, you know, somebody in your own town recognizes you doing something stupid, uh, you know. So it's it's definitely the uh, the 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 challenge. I have a good story about balance. that. I was a uh, I was on a hockey team, and it was like these guys like needed their asses kicked, and that's the thing in hockey, you get in a fight. But this is like you know Friday night beer league, so. 
can't really get in fights. It's not the NHL. And I, I wanted to fucking throw down with this dude. And I was like, all right, I'm going to fight this dude. They're going to call the cops. I'm going to have to tell the cops what I do. My department's going to find out and I'm going to get shit canned. <laughs> it's not worth it, right? As much as that dude needed his ass kicked, you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. And you never know who knows who, you know, and in, uh, in, in, in uh, the community I live, uh, you know, we, you've got several generations of people that, you know, they know you, they know this person, they know that person. It's always, you know, you got to be careful with what you do and say on or off duty, especially if you identify as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a cop. Uh, they're going to be like, well, do you know so-and-so? Well, they happen to be related to that person. So it's always one of those balancing acts when you're obviously uh, frustrated on the job or, or whatever, where you want to kind of let loose and, you know, kind of cut someone <laughs> or whatever, you know, you got to be careful because it's like, you know, it comes back, back to haunt you. Now, I don't want to out you too much, but one of the assignments that you had was in IA right? Which kind of relates to this. Yeah. I, um, I had a uh, brief stint, uh, where, um, yeah, the, um, uh, my department has a, uh, uh, obviously an internal affairs that investigates, uh, officers, uh, for their many wrongdoings. Uh, a lot of what I was doing was just a lot of, uh, paper pushing, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, organizing reports um, and so forth for the uh, supervisor. So, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything really, really juicy to talk about, you know what I mean? But it probably gave you kind of a good idea of like the type of shit, because I think, you know, dudes on patrol, like they hear about somebody going to IA and they're like, oh, it's fucking bullshit. They're just fucking going after that dude. And they never know what's in the report or what's being reported. And I'm sure when you actually see it and you're like, oh, fuck. That was pretty stupid. Although, you know, occasionally I'm sure you get the dumb ones that go up there too. Well, something that I, that I uh, saw a, a pattern was um, a lot of guys would, uh, you know, they would get in trouble for the use of force, uh, you know, whether it was justified or unjustified. And the pattern that I was seeing was a lot of it was, uh, it, it was basically self-initiated where, uh, you know, where you'd be working at night or whatever, and obviously nothing's moving. So uh, you'd find something to do, make contact with someone, find a crime, then all of a sudden, you know, the game's on and now you're using force. So um, that was kind of a pattern I saw that a lot of the uh, force uh, that was being used was obviously through self-initiated contacts. Yeah. And I know at least in this day and age, and I don't know when you went up, but the department, I mean, unless you're like one of these hidden gems of a department that actually does police work anymore, it's not, the department doesn't like that. They don't, they don't like self-initiated activity, you know, that maybe that's just my perception, but that was definitely the way I felt towards the end of my career. Yeah. And it's, it's gotten, it's gotten so much, uh, to one side to where, uh, I don't know how it is in other departments, but we're, we're walking away from things that years ago we would never walk away from, um, you know, in, in regards to, you know, maybe a, a, a felony suspect or someone who's barricaded in a, in a residence uh, where, yeah, we would say, hey, is the uh, juice uh, worth the squeeze? Or... Oh, I fucking hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, you know, hurting people is no longer part of our business, apparently. So um, that's what a lot of, uh, you know, that perception is, is, is something that departments are, are trying to, um, to, to change to where now we're, you know, the touchy feely, giving hugs, handing out stickers, uh, handing out uh, stuffed dolls, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, law enforcement's definitely changed and it's probably going to change more. You said something that, you know, I found was interesting is it's not about hurting people, which it was only about hurting people as if they try to hurt us. Right. <laughs> it was never, you know, or or resisted or didn't listen. I mean, I brought it up on another podcast is I don't feel like there's any instruction to the public like, hey, you know, like the Chris Rock thing, which I know was kind of like a I think everybody's seen that fucking video, but how to not get your ass beat by the police, um, which. uh spawned a whole episode of the office but look i you know obviously beating the shit out of somebody's not in the fourth amendment but you're not gonna get fucking hurt at all if you don't resist the cops and i get it that's part of the game and i feel like the public used to understand like oh that dude fought with the cops or that dude resisted so that kind of that's that's what happens play stupid games win uh stupid prizes or is that how that one goes did i actually say that yeah yeah Yeah. i got one one for 20 (laughs) yeah i like that one Yeah. You know, and I feel like that, you know, you say that and people get all offended by it. Well, you know, they're whatever reason, whatever reason of the week is why they're committing the crime. You know, that, you know, these fucking shoplifters running out of the CVS in San Francisco. They don't stop. They should fucking get tackled. Don't steal stuff. I mean, that's on you. You made that decision to steal or commit a crime. Then what happens to you is kind of on you. Don't break the fucking law, asshole. Um (laughs) Jim Carrey, liar, liar, which is funny. You know, he's often referenced in memes and I'm pretty sure he fucking hates the cops. So, um, but moving on now, another thing that's probably changed over the last 17 years or so is how guys deal with like stress and PTSD and stuff like that. What's, I guess I have this perception of back in the day, like back in the nineties, cause you, you would have started in the late nineties if my math's right. Right. Or no, early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. So back then, I mean, nobody was talking about, you know, PTSD or, you know, stress or, you know, going to the psychologist or any of that shit, were they? Um, I think I think they they wouldn't out of fear, because even now I know that there's a, uh, a new Senate bill that was passed um, in 2020 uh regarding uh stress where uh basically it's presumptive for first responders and i think uh they made it to uh, like i said i don't know how other states work in in state of california uh you can as a cop or a firefighter or as a paramedic you can come forward and say hey i have a stress issue i have a stress disorder i need help and not worry about them taking your your gun or taking your license away or or whatever so uh, i think it was just a, a lot of fear and i think there's a lot of guys that are still afraid and don't get the help they need yeah i i mean i completely agree with you i mean i i'm i try to preach it you know every so often on the podcast it seems like it comes up but you know there's still that stigma there's still that fear that eh, if i go i'm going to be crazy or i'm going to be labeled the crazy guy on the department which is it's unfortunate you know with all the shit I don't know. It's interesting, um, you know, generationally, I think different generations handled stress 
a little bit different. I think, um, you know, unfortunately, I hate to admit it, I'm a millennial. Oh, it felt horrible to say that, but I am. <laughs> and, uh, you Generation know, X, though. <laughs> there you go. So, like, I feel like, you know, the, the baby boomers and Gen X, they just handled stress different where uh, we bake differently, I guess. And the millennials and Gen Z's coming out were just, we're wired differently, I guess. Um, and, you know, so we're having these conversations about stress and getting help and things like that, which I think is a good thing. Cause I think, you know, all the, you know, tough guys, old guys talking shit back in the day, they had a stress thing. They just fucking blow their brains out where I think now guys are actually getting help. We started seeing a lot of guys that were retiring and we would, uh, our chaplaincy would often announce that so-and-so who worked for the department uh, retired X amount of years ago has passed. And you will see all these uh, announcements coming through with, you know, various officers that used to work for us and not knowing, well, you know, what, what did they pass of, you know, and then after a while realizing that, um, you know, some of them may have taken their own life uh, post retirement. So we're, we're seeing a lot of issues with folks that are, uh, not in the job, but they're, they're retiring. And then all of a sudden they're having all these, all these stress issues. You know, the old joke, right? You're going to, you're going to do your 30 fucking years. And then five years later, you're going to croak because of all the stress on the job. And, you know, we joke about it, but nothing really changes. You know, I think there's a lot of help for the guys that are on the job, but you know, we, this job really forgets about the people, you know, once they're gone, they're gone. You get the little fucking plaque. Um, if you're lucky, and no one thinks of you ever again, you know? And uh, I think that's fucked up, man. I think uh, there's not really, and it was brought up in a prior podcast from my buddy from Arkansas, is there's not really that, uh, what the hell is it called? There's not like a club for cops after they leave, right? There's not like the bar for cops. The uh, There's not the American Legion, right? Mm-hmm. The AFW, there, there's not, no, that's a restaurant, the AFW. I don't know. But, you know, there's not the American Legion. There's not a place for guys to go there's they're just you know they do their 30 years they you know go on a cruise ship once and they fucking have a heart attack and die because their heart explodes from all the stress of policing so i i hope the conversation as soon as we get guys well really it can start now but i hope the conversation kind of starts looking at guys uh from your heyday that left that you know they're taking care of when they leave so they can actually enjoy their retirement yeah, that's that's the key is to have a plan, have an exit strategy. That way you don't get injured or you don't run into uh, legal problems where you're kind of stuck and don't know what to do with yourself. I feel like that probably, and I, I'm sure that's for a lot of people, but they don't really know what to do with themselves when they're retired. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, especially if you don't have any money and, you know, a lot of guys struggle with those money issues when they leave is especially a small town. If you don't make any money, you're not going to have any money in your pension either, you know, and uh, it's hard to live without money in the bank. You know, they told us you need a million dollars to retire when I started with inflation and all the shit going on. I mean, you're going to need a couple million dollars if you're lucky to be able to. You don't want to sit at home. You don't want to retire and sit at home. You want to be able to go do shit. You know, what's the whole fucking point of, you know, living if you can't live. So that's, that's my, uh, 
my money thing for all you fucking kids listening is stop buying dumb shit, except for my dumb shit. Go ahead and continue to buy my dumb shit and Daryl's dumb shit. Actually, your stuff's <laughs> useful though, but continue to buy that. But everything else, and my sponsors, of course, but everything else, um, save your money because you, you're going to need it. Although I do believe in the you can't take it where you're going to. So there's that balance too. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's talk about your fucking thing, man. So talk about Dragon Skin. How'd that, how'd that all start? Well, uh, I guess we can maybe start with the name. Uh, I really liked the name, and I thought it was uh, very appropriate for the product that I developed. Uh, coincidentally, it, uh, I kind of stole the name from a body armor, body armor company that uh, went out of business years ago uh, here locally, and they were called Dragon Skin. And they uh, spelled their product uh, the normal way. And, and so when I found out that they were no longer in business and using the name, I decided to uh, commandeer it. And you're just uh, borrowing it. <laughs> yeah, it's borrowing it. Um, but yeah, um, I've always been the type of person that when there's a problem, you know, your final solution, that's kind of, you know, what, what cops do. That's kind of what we do in, in EMS firefighting, uh, you know, regardless of what your profession is, uh, that if you're a problem solver, you're, you're constantly thinking of solving problems. And one of the issues that I think we've all had as, uh, persons that wear body armor is that uh, there's really nothing designed to wear underneath the body armor uh, because you know everybody knows how sweaty and sticky and smelly and um, you know and then it gets right into your body armor and then it, it stays there for the life of the uh, actual uh, you know as far as the fabric lasts and uh, in some cases the sweat will in some cases uh, will actually break down your your kevlar so uh not having anything other than you know what do you got you know your regular white t-shirt uh your regular under armor you know to throw their name out there and that's what i was using for years so i decided to tinker around with some uh, materials and fabrics and i had an idea of creating a fabric that worked like cortex where essentially that it was uh, waterproof uh, essentially uh, only allowing the uh, vapor from your sweat through the fabric. And that would help keep your body armor and anything you wear over uh, dragon skin. It would keep it uh, essentially sweat free. So uh, yeah, I, I created something that was unique and uh, it's been, it's been a uh, definitely a valuable uh, product to uh, a lot of the, uh, the guys and gals out there. Yeah, man, I uh, I really liked it a lot, and I uh, didn't get to use it a ton because I left not too long after that. But I'm too fat to wear the one that you <laughs> I got though, so I, I need to lose some weight. Man, I put on some weight after I left, but no, it's a uh, the first time you put it on, you're like, okay, this is interesting. And then after the shift, I got done, I'm like, holy shit, I'm not fucking drenched. My fucking my uh, my vest is not drenched. It doesn't stink, and everybody knows that summertime stink, right? Mm -hmm. Um. It, you know, you, you're driving somebody to jail and you're like, fuck, they stink. And then you realize after they get out of the car, it's you. <laughs> so uh, I can attest um, is a fucking phenomenal product, man. I I'm uh, did you come from like an engineering or type background or you just fucking got wild one day and tried <laughs> to do this? It's it's um, what's the expression? It's uh, one one percent 
uh, genius and 99% uh, hard work or however the saying goes, where, where basically, you know, I just, I just kept researching, working different angles, you know, finding different uh, things that could work. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't come from an engineering background at all. Uh, as I said earlier in the podcast, uh, I was an EMS for 10 years, now law enforcement, and uh, hopefully now a uh, successful entrepreneur. And uh, I'm looking at using the fabric for, for more uses um, because it uh, is kind of like a Gore-Tex kind of uh, material where it's microporous, where it'll block things from uh, actually going through the fabric. So I thought, I wonder if the fire department could benefit from something like this because uh, one of their big problems is that they absorb the carcinogenic smoke uh, that they uh, are constantly immersed in on fires and they absorb this through their skin. So uh, essentially they're uh, dying of cancer in their later years of retirement. Yeah. You know, we like to make fun of firefighters all the time, but dude, there's, man, it's, it's crazy how many guys get cancer and, you know, they're not even that old in their forties, fifties type thing. So, you know, the dealing with the smoke's a fucking bad deal, man. Yeah. Um, I saw a video of uh, the Boston fire department. Uh, if, if you want to Google that later, uh, basically uh, they have some of the highest instance incidences of, of, of guys dying from, from smoke related cancer. And a lot of folks think, well, that's because you're breathing in smoke. Well, if you're wearing your, your SPCA, uh, as you should, then that shouldn't be really an issue. So how are they, uh, still dying of cancer? And one of the biggest causes was again, through skin absorption. So if my product can actually be a, uh, you know, a protective element for uh, firefighters, I'd, I'd love to, uh, change the game for them and and help them um survive their career as you know bulletproof vests help us survive ours absolutely man now what so beyond the shirts you have a couple other products now too right i started making some some hats and uh just small stuff to kind of fill out my my line but but yeah i'm I'm looking this year to come out with some off-duty gear kind of like what what you're into uh, you know, for us to wear, where we go to training or we go, uh, or we just get off the shift. And obviously, you know, if you've got the under uh, shirt, the dragon skin, obviously you want to wear something else over it. So I thought of some cool, uh, products, some, maybe some hoodies and shirts that I can logo and, so along with the other things that I have going. I thought you had a uh, one of the things for uh, jujitsu, or am I making that up? Oh, you're talking about a, like like a rash guard? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've got I've got long sleeve versions that I I still need to make more of. Uh, they've been getting a lot of requests for long sleeve, but yeah, the fabric is is thick enough to where it it will essentially protect you. Uh, a lot, a lot of guys were using the long sleeve shirt uh, just for that specific purpose. Great, man. So when you uh, listen to the podcast and then uh, you see me, you know, throwing these ads up here every Saturday, this is a fucking guy that works the street just like you do is, you know, trying to make it and he has a great fucking product. So you're not, you're not supporting like Under Armour that wants to defund the cops and all these, you know, Nike that's fucking made in China. It's a guy right here. So 
check it out that i'm like the worst radio advertiser ever man but (laughs) um i'll get better at it but yeah so you guys go check this stuff out man this is really great stuff and i uh i personally it's poorly made approved and when i say poorly made it's not poorly made it's well made um but i approve it so i know what you mean yeah i just i gotta be extra clear on that it it's one of those things like whenever i sell something people there's always something in the comments that goes well is it poorly made too which what am I supposed to say? Well, yeah, it's poorly made. Then nobody's going to buy it, right? It's a, it's right. a that's a double-edged sword there. All right, man, you ready for the dumb shit questions I have for you? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. What everybody looks forward to. They're tired of me ranting about homeless problems. What is the uh, funniest story that you can think of as a cop? Probably uh, have to say the, the funniest uh, thing that I, I can you know say this. Uh, but I, I booked a guy into the jail who had a had a very large, uh, uh, I guess you know, I guess the only thing you can call it is a uh, is, is, is a dildo. <laughs> he actually had it tied on around his waist, so there was a string coming out of his pants, and I couldn't figure out what where the string was going to. And so when we got him into the private area where he could actually this robe. Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked to see that he had a, uh, a extremely large uh, phallic <laughs> um, product uh, tied onto his own. <laughs> so, oh, so, so it was I, like tied onto his, like it wasn't like inserted in the back or like it was like. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like he was it was tied around his waist or, or actually tied around his, his own penis. And and, you know, we were all like shocked, like, you know, <laughs> um, you know you're 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 out in public you know doing whatever and you've got this 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 big old dildo in, in your pants so I, i'd have to say that was probably one of the funniest that's pretty good yeah it wasn't a banana in his pocket you know that for sure <laughs> yeah it always has to be something sexual related you know in our in our business uh you know what we find you know most people would think yeah okay that's that's disgusting but of course you know as cops we find uh, humor in it oh yeah definitely I, you know, and it's, it's not my story and I don't want to, I guess I won't go into detail of it because it's not really my story, but I just remember the, uh, the guy was telling me the story about, um, an old man that was soliciting and I started laughing. He's like, dude, it's not funny. I'm like, what do you mean? It's not funny. He's like, it's not funny. It's sad. It's this old dude. And, you know, and I'm like, Oh, it's not like if you think about it logically, it's not funny. That's why you don't think about it logically. Because if you think about everything logically that we do, you're going to fucking go insane. It's all funny or none of it's funny. Um, I mean, that's why we joke on like horrible car accident scenes or, you know, whatever. This, it's just how you deal with shit. Um, so you probably have some more experience than these young pups that have been on the podcast. What is the best patrol car in your experience? Well, we all know it's the Crown Vic. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Did you guys have I, the old old Caprices when you started, or were those phased out? Um, it was it's probably a little uh, a little before my time, but when I when I started, we uh, we had a, a nice fleet of, of Crown Vics with the uh, with the V8, and you know, obviously, it uh, definitely got the job done. I like it. That's that's what I like to hear is people just simping to my Crown Vics. I like that. <laughs> Well, we're we're driving around in these in these hybrid uh, SUVs now, and I'm I'm like, you know, this isn't this isn't what uh, you know 
I'm sure the uh, the guys from from Adam Twelve are probably rolling over in their graves right now. <laughs> you know, right. like like hybrid. What's that? You're actually driving a hybrid, like no joke. Yeah, the uh, the department uh, bought some to to test and and basically, uh, yeah, in, in 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 low gear, you're you're all electric and you can you know literally sneak up on people and they won't even hear you. I mean, I guess there's that. That's a benefit, I suppose. Is is that? But we used to have a patrol van, and it looked like a like a plumber's van, and I loved driving that thing. It was just like a fucking like old '90s you know van. And because people didn't think it was a cop car, you know, they didn't <laughs> think there was a cop inside of it. I could fucking roll up on all kinds of shit. It was awesome. I don't know how many podcasts you've listened to, but I'm uh, I'm on a mission, a man on the mission to humanize shitting your pants. Daryl, buddy, as an adult, have you ever shit your pants? <laughs> um, I think we, we all have at some point, you know, sitting Thank on a Thank you perimeter. for being not so proud to admit that. Because a lot of people, I think, are like, oh, I have, but I can't say it. Well, I mean, you know, depending on where you work, sometimes you you're literally stuck. And I've I've heard of guys, you know, going to to going door to door on perimeters or on crime scenes where they're like, uh, "Ma'am, can I use your bathroom?" <laughs> so I've, I've been on do- crime scenes. I remember I remember vividly this homicide that I was on, and I was in this backyard for hours. It felt like, and right after they were like, all right, this is where you're at. You need anything? I'm like, nope, I'm good. You know, I had my computer. I started typing, keeping the scene. And I, uh, you got the bubbles. I'm like, fuck, (laughs) fuck. So I'm like, all right, there's blood there. I can't take a shit there. Like, ah, there's that tree. Is it, you know, am I going to be seen, you know, just kind of looking out, like if I really had to shit, where would I go? And then you're like, well, I guess I would probably just shit my pants, you know? I don't get caught, you know, got and then you hear the helicopter overhead, you know, because it's a homicide and the news copters out and like, fuck, that would be a great, great story for all time. God, that would be funny. I really hope that does happen just for my own personal humor is the news cap news capture some cop in somebody's backyard taking a shit. (laughs) That'd be awesome. All right. Um, Now, I don't know if you guys do this in the large city in California work, but we uh, I've been trying to mix in like a word of the day. So guys have something funny to say over the radio or in their reports. Do you have a, a good word for guys to use this week? Yeah, that's I, I don't I don't think I've ever done that. Um, well, you guys are no fucking uh, fun. <laughs> well, we always we always joke about, you know, how well, you know, does your supervisor actually read your reports where or does he just, you know, look at the look at the title and just click approve so yeah i literally had in a report in capital letters at the top with a bunch of asterisks do not approve (laughs) and they approved it uh yeah exactly so you know they're they're not really you know they're in a hurry or they're just you know they've seen so many reports or they just look at your name or your badge number and they just kind of say all right this guy's good approve 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 um, but yeah, there have been times where I get a, a report rejected. Uh, I mean, the guy's already, you know, he's, he's already been sentenced, you know, <laughs> yeah. the crime. And here I'm getting this, you know, really late rejection. And I'm, and instead of correcting it, I want to put, uh, you realize that the, uh, 
the guy's already been sentenced. He's probably, uh, you know, laying in his, his jail cot or his prison cot right now. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, does this really need to be... Wait, uh, people go to jail in California? I thought they didn't even have prisons there anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's it's becoming way too liberal. It's, uh, yeah, it's getting, it's getting bad. I can't imagine. Um, well, good, sir. As we wrap up the end of the podcast here, do you have any words of wisdom for the millions of people that will probably listen to this one day? Um, yeah, uh, find something to do, uh, that's outside of law enforcement that can keep you busy and your mind occupied, uh, just like I did with, with dragon skin. That, that'll hopefully be a, uh, my, my retirement gig. So I can, I can focus on something when I, when I'm done. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks that, that get way too overinvested in this job and it's just really not worth it. It really isn't. So that's, that's basically my piece. I like it, man. Yeah. The, uh, you can love the job all you want, but it will not love you back. Exactly. Never, ever. Well, Hey buddy, I, uh, appreciate all your time this evening. I'm, uh, I'm a little jealous of your weather. I'm sure it's nicer than it fucking is. here. <laughs> it's not too bad, but you know, it did rain the other day. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. We had like false spring and it, there's fucking, uh, tornadoes in this part of the country like the other day and then it, there's fucking snow on the ground now so figure that out by the way yeah. um if i see anything if anybody listens to the podcast that's out by uh madison county iowa hit me up if there's any gofundmes that i should share because it's like six people died like if like a young family was killed in the tornadoes it's awful oh, wow. yeah not good not good so i will share any of that if you guys have it so all right well with uh with all that man i appreciate everybody's listen to the podcast and uh, continuing to support it so i can you know keep doing this and keeping this train running so you guys have a, a voice and an outlet somebody to listen to somebody that knows what you're going through and you know having actual cops on the road fucking say their piece it's uh, nice to hear so if you want to support this podcast a couple ways you can do it take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast including old daryl here he's got some fantastic t-shirts and you should wear them and I'm, I will tell you, they are great under you for, I promise you, you'll love it. You can buy my shitty t-shirts if you're looking for something funny to wear. Or uh, next time the coins come, because it'll be soon. Sorry for selling those out and people are mad at me because it wasn't up long enough. I'm sorry. I apologize. Please forgive me. You know, otherwise spread the word of the podcast. Click a little link. You can be the monthly donor. All the good stuff to uh, make this thing keep going. With that said, uh, remember, it's all bullshit. And I love most of you. Bye-bye.